you may have realized that being healthy feels different than it did in the past now that you're over 50. If you want to maximize your health potential but don't have time to read through overwhelming pages of Google links, this is the show for you. Welcome to Healthy Tips After 50. We love doing the research, finding solutions, talking to health experts, and learning what works and what doesn't. Now, your host. She spent the last 25 years dedicated to feeling her best and is here to share her best findings with you, Susan Rosen. Hi, everyone. This is your host, Susan Rosen. And today I have another special guest. Um, she is with us here from Australia, New South Wales. That's right? correct. Yes. Okay. And um, her name is Sally Ann Pisk. And Sally Ann has worked in health for 30 years as a practitioner, researcher, and manager in Australia and New Zealand. Uh, she's an accredited practicing dietitian, mindfulness practitioner, and author. And Sally Ann is the founder of her online business, Eating For You. And for the past 10 years, she has been devoted to helping women transform their eating mindset and relationship with food. And we're going to talk about all these kinds of things. And for you men out there, we're not going to totally leave you off to the side. We'll, uh, we'll include you in some of the discussion. But because a lot of the things for women also apply to men. Right? Oh, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and also for those of us that are older, um, you know, that that, as usual, will be kind of the, the area that we're mostly talking about. But a lot of that, you know, affects everyone else as well. Yeah. So, anyways, so thank you and and welcome. Yeah, no, thanks, Susan. It's, it's wonderful to be here to share with you and your community. I'm really looking forward to it. Great. So why don't you um, I know this kind of gives an, an overview why don't you tell us how how you actually ended up getting into this area because most people including me seems seem to have gotten into it because of some personal issue yeah. <laughs> that we dealt with yeah and look it's the same for me as well and um I'm not going to give you all you know every the, detail we don't the, have the time right, the gory details yes yeah but I think in my teens I was very interested in health um and also looking back this obviously wasn't realized at the time um but looking back I got drawn into so many of the things that don't allow us to eat naturally and eat mindfully and take care of ourselves you know we used to read in Australia well they were called dolly magazines I don't know what the equivalent would have been but it had like all the diets all the fashions for teenagers and we used to read them from cover to cover. And, of course, we started dieting. Uh, why? Because that's just what we thought, you know, was the done thing, you know. And I had seen my sister and my mum, you know, dieting, you know, from time to time. They never took it that seriously, mind you. But you kind of had this concept that the only way ahead with food was to be on some sort of diet. Um, and, and then later on... Um, I obviously went to university and uh, studied nutrition and dietetics. And then when I started, you know, working uh, with clients, even as a student, I realized this is not really about food, you know, and that was sort of in my head, you know, even at that stage thinking this is really not about food. And some of my, you know, fellow students used to think, oh, you know, I'm just saying the same thing to every person that I speak to. And, and that can be the case. 
but I was fascinated by how different people's you know lifestyles were and how they ended up with the health condition that they had but the real turning point for me was when my brother died suddenly I was in my mid-20s and I developed uh, I suppose it would be like an emotional eating habit a comfort eating habit and I can still remember the time I was sitting with a friend uh, in the park and she was she's a dietitian as well and I was eating a bag of potato crisps you know it's just amazing the things that you remember when you have these turning points and I was saying to her about you know look I've been at university for you know nearly six years now because I you know was doing my master's as well and she just said to me well maybe you just need to relax a little bit and that was just so foreign and I think it was the first time that I realized that even though I thought I was eating healthily I knew all the information you know I'd been studying as I said for six years I was eating in a very restrictive way Um, and of course then to be in this emotional grieving state of having lost my brother Mm. I didn't figure what was going on and that really was a big turning point for me um, for my own development but then learning those skills to be able to pass on to other people Um, but funnily enough even when I finished writing um, my book you know about five six years ago I didn't realize it was about mindfulness. I, you know, hadn't, you know, purposely set out to study mindfulness or be a mindfulness practitioner. Uh, It wasn't until my husband read one of the earlier drafts and he said, oh, this is all about mindfulness. So at that time, I think I had about 90,000 words to then go through and change uh, because that was a term that people were becoming familiar with in terms of mindfulness. But I still think that there is uh, a very broad interpretation of what mindfulness is, though. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of people use it for to mean different things. Yeah, for sure, yeah. for sure. Yeah. yeah. So then, what when when you had this insight, which mm. is essentially what, what to me that that's the word that, that I use yeah. for it. Um, yeah. You know how did how did how did your life change? I mean, how did yeah. the direction? What how did how did it really affect you? Was it a slow effect, or was it something that just boom? Oh, I now I see. I have to. Uh, I have to do this in the world, kind of thing. <laughs> oh, oh no, it wasn't. It wasn't that so much. I think I had to get over the hurdle first of all. Of well, what do I do with all the learnings that I've had to date? You know, it was a bit threatening. You know, as well, as much as it was an insight, yeah. it was a little bit threatening as well. <clears throat> Excuse me, because at that stage too. Uh, unless you were in the realm of eating disorders, the approach was very much food focused. Um, So it's kind of like, well, I know food is nourishing, you know, we we need our nutrients. So it's not like it's not about food. Um, But then we start realizing, just excuse me. Then we start realizing that we have all of these thoughts about food and beliefs about foods and it was really a process of getting in tune with my own mind. And that's where I find, you know, the mindfulness is really important. And it's about being aware of what's going on in your own mind with curiosity rather than judgment. And if we think about dieting trends, it's all about judgment. It's about judging the food. It's about judging yourself, about whether you can keep to it, uh, whether you look the right way. Um, so there were many levels Susan I was starting to, to work with. Um, and then I actually had a break from um, 
you know, working, you know, in clinical and research. And it was while I was in New Zealand and I was working in management. And that's when I actually started exploring more uh, mindfulness techniques for my own health um, to get balance into my life. And I used to Mm. share them with my my team. Um, Mm. And so there was a lot of practical learning and teaching uh, in Mm. that time. And, uh, yeah, and just jotting notes at that stage for a book that would look at more of a mindfulness-based approach to eating and living. Yeah, so it was an evolution rather than, Mm. like, taking off in a a jet plane. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, and I suppose it's appropriate because it was a very mindful evolution, you know, which... Yeah. <laughs> mindfulness tends to be this gradual process then you have a breakthrough then you have another breakthrough and uh, I, yeah. I I had to learn to trust that process as well that it was just just sit with it find the next breakthrough and and of course this is what I encourage you know my clients at the moment as well is it's very much observe just observe don't think you have to do all the time just take time to connect with yourself connect with these habits that you've got mm-hmm yeah 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 it's a it's a it's a noticing process yeah definitely very Mm -hmm. much um and then you know over the time it was I was able with the book to actually put this approach together uh to deal with not only emotional eating habits but other what I call non-hunger eating habits and pressures in life that distract us from looking after ourselves yeah Mm -hmm. yeah yeah, and it seems to me it, it's it's applicable um, to to really more more than just food, right? I mean, people, you know, um, they smoke too much, or you know, alcohol or whatever. I mean, those, and and all of them can be just as toxic, yeah, to the system because um, even though we need food, we don't need the other things, but we mm. need food to survive you know overdoing it is is almost worse than not having enough yeah and and again I think you know it's really fascinating because there's been this whole debate about you know health at at any size and Mm. and so forth and Mm. and it's been a very important movement to include uh, a range of body shapes and sizes and it's one of the Mm. things I appreciate most about the Ayurvedic approach in terms of looking at our different body builds and um, appreciating what we've got and mm-hmm. each body build and you know sort of uh, metabolic type has its advantages and disadvantages you know and yeah. and it encourages you to tune into what your body type is uh-huh. and, and this, this is one of the hard things when, it, when you just talk about weight it doesn't really mean anything because mm-hmm. If we've never been able to tune into our body, we don't actually even know what our body weight is supposed to be because we've always been just chasing a number on the scales. Um, and so uh, I believe that, yes, people can be healthy at different sizes, but not necessarily us. We kind of have a range that suits us um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. as individuals, you know, rather than comparing ourselves to other people. Mm. Yeah, no, I would. I. And and I think the other part that goes along with that is that as you as you live your life, right, and you start to get a little older, um, and you know, so so, and I mean that in two ways, which is that you know maybe you just go from being twenty five to thirty, 
right? Or it could be that you go from 30 to 60, mm. right? I mean, which is different. There are different, but but basically the thing is, is that is that there are changes yeah. and what you ate and how much you ate when you're one age isn't necessarily the correct thing that you should be weighing eating you know or exercise or whatever um, as you as you change your age and I think that's one of the things that people don't think about no no and and this is the beauty that I've you know, from my own experience and ladies that Mm -hmm. I've worked with, you know, for a few years is that Mm -hmm. you start to appreciate that you're, we are evolving. Um, We're not static, you know, even from season to season, we are different because we're dealing with different climatic conditions. Um, And so, yeah, it's important that if we get too fixed in our ways with habits, so, for me, with the eating for you approach, it's very much about the only habit I encourage uh, people to have is to be mindful. Because if we start getting a habit of having a certain breakfast or a certain lunch or a certain mm-hmm. dinner, yeah. then it becomes difficult to change later because it's entrenched in that autopilot zone, uh, which we're often unaware of. Um, and, and so it's so interesting and and from my own personal experience again you know when I first hit perimenopause and then further into that journey it was like I was in someone else's body (laughs) and sometimes mind it's like wow this is a ride (laughs) I know exactly (laughs) and I remember saying to my GP because I went and told him you know because you know you obviously asked you know I was approaching that age you're noticing any changes oh yeah it's fascinating I'm finding it really interesting and he looks at me he says really you, you you mean you're finding it interesting oh yeah it's like you know I wake up and I don't know who I am it's like <laughs> I said it's great for me practicing my mindfulness because every day I'm someone else <laughs> it wasn't always like that you know once I got uh, you know yeah. accustomed to what was going on and right. uh, mindfulness practices also helped but I, I did have um so at, at times some Chinese herbs and acupuncture mm. and so forth just to yeah, yeah I did that, too. that again <laughs> oh no exactly exactly yeah yeah in fact I, I did that for a while and and I and I actually kept getting my period because of the herbs yes and I finally just said you know I don't, I really don't want to keep getting my period. Thank you very much. Can we stop that? Can we, can we transition (laughs) to the other, the next stage, please? (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, it's, it's funny because you mentioned that and I so clearly remember it brought up this, this very clear memory being in the acupuncturist's office and saying, hello, can I, can we, you know, I don't, I don't want to take that anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that's even fascinating. You know, I've done some interviews, you know, with different, you know, different programs and people about uh-huh. menopause and it's such a, there's such a cultural difference about it. And um, as I am drawn to Ayurveda, I remember picking up a, a book on women's health um, and they explained menopause you know passing through menopause as Uh really a new lease of life for women um and yet in my country it's very much uh 
it's not really talked about that much. It's kind of like, you know, you're not expected to deal with it. It's supposed to be horrendous. Um, Whereas, you know, from an Arabic point of view, and it is, you know, just as you just said, you know, even if it's a practical thing, you know, we don't have to worry about our periods anymore. That gives us a lot of freedom. It's done. It's a great thing. Yeah, Yeah, not to mention the mood swings and all that kind of stuff that went along with it, you know. And and the uncomfortableness, you know, yeah. I used to get cramps. I mean, it just, yeah. you know, it was yeah. so freeing. Yes, yes. To be away from that. Yeah, and it was really interesting for me too until I sort of worked out what was going on with some fluid retention and so forth uh, with the hormonal changes. You know, I had mm-hmm. trousers that I probably couldn't wear for about 18 months. And then I just thought, okay, well, I'm not going to worry about this just yet. We'll just see where I end up. You know, maybe I'm going to be a different body size and body shape at the end of this and I need a new wardrobe. But for me, my experience was that I just gradually transitioned to what I was before. So again, it's just, it's just allowing yourself to flow with your body and what's happening. Um, And, you know, and I liken it, you know, I'm mindful of, you know, men might be listening in thinking, oh, this is probably good information for them to understand the women in their life. Um, But even for them, one of the biggest transitions that I have come across for men um, with learning about their body and how to adjust is often Mm -hmm. when they finish a more active sporting interest, Mm -hmm. you know, so they're Mm -hmm. used to being strong, they're used to being able to eat anything, um, and then all of a sudden they they could be still active, you know, they could still jog or walk or play tennis golf do something but not at that high level intensity and that's a real learning experience as well thinking well I used to eat all this food how do I actually start tuning into my body to know what I need now yeah Yeah. that's a common one that I have come across with me oh no absolutely absolutely I mean and I've seen that with my husband and I've seen that with myself and you know he's older than I am so he's kind of been going through it and men go through it differently which um, I actually did recently um, a, a whole program with a naturopath who I've done a number of podcasts with on andropause, which is the men's version yes. of menopause, which was yes. which was very eye opening mm. as well. But um, yeah, I think it's and and I think the other thing right now is too that with COVID, it totally changed our way of thinking and of living. Um, You know, I don't know about you, my gym closed, my husband's gym closed. You know, I've always walked, you know, when I was younger, I ran. Yes. Um, You know, we still, we go out for our walk every morning. Um, It's hard to get the weight training Mm. kinds of things. It's easy to go out and get the aerobic. You just go outside and you walk fast, you know, I mean, that's... (laughs) right get get a good pair of shoes to wear and yes yeah you know do a little stretching um but the weight training as we get older is so 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 important mm. yeah and, and I, think, I think unless we can build it into our day um uh-huh. i live you know in a rural area and mm. i have a horse and so i'm often lifting squatting doing stuff uh-huh. for um, and also for for where I live, we kind of went through a very bad bushfire season. Oh, here too. Basically, yeah, basically straight into COVID. 
and I had been introduced to some online, you know, an online yoga program um, mm. during bushfires because I literally couldn't go outside because there was too yeah. much smoke. Yeah. And um, so I sort of had that practice going. So uh, even though it's not the same as, you know, obviously doing other resistant training, you are still getting some uh, quite a lot of muscle uh, yes. strengthening uh, just from yep. your own body weight. And so if you've been able to, I was lucky, I was able to find, you know, someone that I really uh-huh. gravitated to and, and could do. Um, but you're quite right. And, you know, exercise is one thing. And then we started you know, hearing a lot about emotional eating. And certainly uh, that's where my focus uh, for, for a while and, and still is, is, mm-hmm. you know, supporting people in that, that mm-hmm. area. Um, because they were just finding that, you know, maybe old habits were returning or for the first time ever, like I had experienced in my life, some sort of stressful event had created this comfort um, eating pattern. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, COVID had a big impact. On the other hand, for some people, because they're not travelling long distances to get to work because they're living from home, yeah. they've actually been able to get a fitness program in place. So, again, we're all different, you know, our circumstances. Yeah, all- yeah. Yeah, well, and it's and it's interesting too because I know one of the things that that people have called out here is that with so many people working from home, mm-hmm. um, they haven't had the emotional interaction, right? The people interaction with the people that they work with or with anybody, yeah, right? Because if you think about it, when you when we worked in offices. You'd get up, you'd go have a conversation with somebody, you'd run into someone in the bathroom or at the water yes. fountain or the coffee machine, and you have a little bit of a chit chat and, and yeah. you get that that personal contact. Yeah. And when you're doing Zoom all the time, you don't get that. You get on when it starts, you get off when it ends, and then you're by yourself again. Right. Yeah. Um and I've I've heard a lot of people complaining about that mm-hmm. that, that yeah. that's that's been very very isolating for it them. has been and again of course we're all different there as well um some people you know need a lot of social interaction so you mm-hmm. really miss it when you put into a, a you know basically it's the law you know for us you know yeah. it's a legal requirement that we stay at home oh, yeah. um, no no we had that for quite a while too you know, others have said, you know, it's like I've actually enjoyed having more time to myself. Um, and I think of anything from the conversations that I have with ladies on the phone or, you know, mm. via Zoom is that we have to stay mindful and open-hearted about yeah. the fact that this experience of COVID has impacted on us all differently. Mm. Um, while some of us have enjoyed a bit of retreat time, for others that's been horrendous. Mm-hmm. Um and uh yeah having that support in place um Mm -hmm. but certainly i i think modern technology with zoom and facetime and other you know um apps are great it's better than nothing you know so without it and it's been great you know a lot of the ladies i work with are into their 60s and 70s and uh they've had to get techie you know (laughs) so it's been great for them it's like wow that's an achievement in itself (laughs) yeah yeah, no, it's interesting. It's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. No, because that's um. I mean, I had actually done Zoom before all of this started. Um, yeah. But you're you're absolutely right. There's a lot of um, a lot of people who just, especially if they were if they've 
were retired before or whatever. Um, you know, they just didn't have access to all these things. No, no. You know, and, 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 and Zoom, Zoom made it easy because they made it where you didn't even have to buy a plan. That's right. Especially at the beginning to use it. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, very easy. So, uh, mm-hmm. so yeah, it's, it's a mixed bag, like a lot of events in life, I think, for yeah. people. Um, and, yeah, it's just encouraging people to get more of what they need to feel mm-hmm. uh, fulfilled mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. in their life and, and mm-hmm. also the practice of knowing that it's not going to last forever. Whilst it may feel like an eternity, it is not yeah. going to forever. Um, and that has, you know, thrown up challenge, challenges for all of us at certain times. You know, for, for me, even I tend to say I love people, I love interacting, but I also like, you know, time on my, by myself. The hardest thing for me is not being able to go into state and visit my parents who are in their 80s. Uh, um, and so, yeah, we've all had challenges at different different levels and um mm-hmm. yeah that's just been interesting to watch so you know it's a, a long no, telephone yeah. conversations instead yeah and yeah that sort well, of thing, you know? well and and you know the other side of that for people who are older and whose kids have have mm. left home don't mm. live close yeah who have not been able to see i mean i know my my i have two stepkids mm. adults mm. Two grand, two step grandkids, yeah. Um, and you know, my husband and I haven't been able to see any of them except for one grandchild who was actually here mm. playing a, a soccer game mm-hmm. um, with her college. And yes. um, other than that, we haven't seen the kids for what is it now? A year and a half? No, probably more than that because we. It's not like we went right before. <laughs> Um, so it's, it's, you know, probably coming up on a, on a couple of years Yes, and, um, it's not the same and we don't even do zoom with them. So, Uh, yeah, you know, just talk to them. (laughs) And it's interesting, I suppose it's, um, you know, we were talking earlier about, Mm -hmm. you know, when the flu virus first struck, it didn't spread as rapidly as what Mm -hmm. COVID has, you know, in this situation, and that's because we did live more isolated. You know, you think about the only way of communicating for a long time for many people was letter writing. Um, and so I've actually encouraged, you know, some of my my ladies, oh, yeah. you know, in my community uh-huh. to start sending cards, you know, write letters um, yeah. to their family and to their grandkids because even if they've got Zoom uh, or, you know, FaceTime or one of the other apps, yeah. um, kids are not used to receiving handwritten letters as much anymore because they yeah. have this this electronic time and for them it's another skill um, and it can become like uh, you know homeschooling sort of practical fun activity for kids to write a letter to their auntie or to their grandma or grandfather on uh-huh. and that sort of thing so um, <clears throat> it's interesting when when I can still remember that letter writing was a main way of communicating uh, yes. you know how quickly has that gone um, that you know younger ones don't you know it's just all about texting and facetime email and and, yeah even email a lot of the young ones don't even know right no no all they know is texting yeah 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 so um yeah so it's been interesting for me and you know Mm -hmm. the people that I've communicated with in in terms of 
um, whilst there's been hardship um, and challenges, um, there's been a lot of opportunities as well. Mm. Um, and I know um, in Australia, it's been amazing how many people have started a vegetable garden at home, you know, even if it's a few pots on your apartment veranda. Um, uh-huh. It was a while there was a program a while back where um, the demand for seedlings, you know, little plants, you know, vegetable plants, Uh it just went up five times in about three Uh months and Uh the producers just couldn't keep up with the orders. So, um, so that's a positive thing from a health perspective. I'm right into growing food and encouraging other people to grow food as well. Yeah. 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 No, that's, that's great. That's great. So, um, so tell me, you know, I mean, we've talked about a lot of these things. We've talked about COVID. We've talked about all of this. Um, what, what kinds of things, particularly as, as people do, what, what kinds of things would you recommend that people kind of watch out for? You know, what, what kinds of things would, can they take away and say, okay, this is, this is helpful to me. This is something I can, yeah, you know, I can think about and watch out for and, yeah, I, I think just to to take a moment to reflect on your own relationship with food and think about how are you enjoying your food? You know, I, are you feeling comfortable in knowing what to eat, how much to eat? Um, and I, I want to stress here that even though I work with people that have, you know, comfort and emotional eating habits, it's not to say that we can never eat, you know, uh, to comfort ourselves. It's when that becomes a concerning uh, habit for you uh, that you notice that you're eating when you're stressed or not eating when you're stressed, mm. um, you know, just rummaging through the cupboards for something to do when you're actually bored. Uh, looking at these kind of signs that, yeah, you're not quite sure. Um, and and what, I'm fi- what I'm finding with, with working with mostly people over, you know, say the mid-40s, Mm -hmm. you've got so much information about nutrition Mm -hmm. yes there might be some fine tuning there because we have these fads that come and go you know more protein no carbs you know no sugar this that and the other they all come and go but fundamentally any food that comes whole is is going to be nourishing and and certainly the plant-based foods but if you've got you know this sense of restriction or this fear of eating too much then maybe there is something, you know, going up on here. And the emotional eating triggers checklist that I'd like to share with the community um, today really just allows you to reflect on some different aspects around food, food preparation, your thoughts about food, what you're capable of, you think you're capable of doing. Mm-hmm. Um, And also some of those thoughts about, well, do I have a list of good and bad foods in my mind? And um, and, and that's a challenging one because until I started digging deeper into this area, what we don't realise is that the bad foods are often our good foods because they're the foods that comfort us. So we set up this uh, debate, you know, it's war actually in our own mind about (laughs) I should be eating the good foods, but my good foods are the bad foods. And so just, just little thoughts about this that we may not be aware of that we carry. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, mindfulness, as I said before, is very much about connecting, observing, being curious and not judging. You know, it's about, well, hey, this could be actually standing in my way between eating well into mm-hmm. you know, for the rest of my life um, yeah. 
do I really want to keep this struggle going? And uh, for the ladies that I speak to, it's a definite no. Um, they're, they're sick of the restriction. They're sick of not knowing. They're sick of listening to everybody else, comparing themselves to everybody else. So if yeah. any of these things are happening as you're listening uh, to me now, then the emotional eating triggers checklist will just give you a little bit of insight like my journey was to well what are those beliefs and what are those rules that I've carried through with me um, since mm-hmm. a child about food that don't actually serve me anymore yeah mm. yeah 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 and um what what that kind of brings up in in my mind is this whole thing of sugar is bad right mm-hmm. period mm-hmm. just cut it out of you and it's like I don't think so you know just be a little more picky about where you get your sugar and how much right i mean fruit is is very good for you fruit has sugar yeah you know if you want to have a tablespoon of ice cream a day it's not going to hurt you you eat the whole thing well then yeah. (laughs) yeah yeah and the way i get to it as well um if we eat mindfully, you know, and really pay attention to the experience mm. of eating, then if we trust, our body will, our mind will tell us when we've had enough. You know, if we do want to have something sweet, yeah. there, you know, I share a story where <clears throat> I was sitting, you know, in front of the fire, something I sometimes like to do in winter mm. and have a bit of dark chocolate. And I normally just pick off one or two squares and have them. But this day I accidentally you know, broke off a row, which was only five squares, but it was a very rich chocolate. And I thought, oh, well, I've broken it off. I may as well eat it all. But by the second piece, I've really had enough. And then by the third piece, I was starting to think, oh, this is just feeling a bit, you know, a bit sticky in my mouth and very sweet. And, and of course, I proceeded to eat the whole five pieces. And just to see how it tasted. (laughs) Just to see what happened. And it was like, uh, no, you know, and of course, other people were saying to me, but Sally-Ann, I eat the whole block. I said, yes, but you go from one square to the whole block, not paying attention mm. to what your body's telling you mm. about the eating experience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that can happen. And, you know, when we're highly emotive, you know, when we're very stressed, we're not paying attention. We're driven by that energy that comes from the emotion. So no judgment here. It's just something that happens. And this is where the practice of mindfulness has been shown to create that pause between uh, thinking we need to eat and actually eating and deciding how much we need. Yes, yes, absolutely, absolutely. And, And I think that that's the positive side of what's been going on with COVID is it's made everybody slow down yeah, and start looking at their lives and looking at how to be healthier so they don't catch it. Yeah. You know, or just, you know, Oh, do I put a mask on? Oh, do I not? Oh, can I even go out? Oh, you know, it's, it's made the awareness factor of things kind of go way up. Yeah. And And I think, and I think that's important as long as we don't judge ourselves in that process. Um, how, how can we fix something or change something when we didn't know it was an issue in the first place? Um, mm. So we've got to identify what's not working for us um, and then set our mind to, well, how can I change this? Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, no, I would, I would agree. Yeah. Well, on th on that note, I think uh, we can we can wrap this up. Is there anything else you would like to? Any last bits of of advice? And you know, people can get your uh, triggers list. Yeah, certainly. Um, access the triggers list. Um, my contact details are on that. So um, please reach out if you've got any questions or any thoughts or any observations um, that you are making uh, with your eating and your food choices. Mm. Um, I would love to hear from you. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you very much for coming on the podcast, Eliane. Oh, Susan, thanks for having me. It's been a real pleasure. It's um, my passion. I love to share uh, what I know and uh, what can help people uh, renew their relationship with food. Yeah. yeah. No, <laughs> no I, I think um, I, I can see why you connect so well. Oh, thank you. With your client. Appreciated you coming on and I will end the recording. So thank you. This has been Healthy Tips After 50 with Susan Rosen. To stay on the cutting edge of the most effective health strategies, subscribe to this podcast and let us know what you thought of the show with a comment or like on iTunes. Visit HealthyTipsAfter50.com for this episode's show notes, more resources, and free offers.